Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians discuss car topics from a perspective you won't find anywhere else. My name is Steve Schutz, and I've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years. And my co-host is trauma surgeon Stefan Moran, who has not only operated on countless car crash victims, but has also published research on car safety. Welcome to Cars on Call. Welcome to Cars on Call. I am Steve Schutz, and uh, I am not joined by my co-host, trauma surgeon Stefan Moran. He's uh, serving our country, actually. Uh, he's abroad and doing something else, so he is unavailable. Uh, but we are very fortunate to have a very knowledgeable car guy here, and uh, I really want to pick his brain. We're going to talk mostly about Pebble Beach, but there's some, some other things I want to get to. And uh, my, I'm, I'm excited to have Mike McMillan, who's a friend. He's uh, an investment advisor who's very successful in that in that area, but he's also a lifelong car guy. So, Mike, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, it's fun to talk cars with you. And yeah, I've been driving cars for 40, 40 some odd years now, which sounds kind of old, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you started when you were two. Right. So, exactly. uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, before we get to the, you know, there's a lot I want to talk to you. There's a lot I want to talk to you about because, because again, your knowledge is huge and your enthusiasm is deep. But before we get there, Mike, uh, tell us very quickly about your new M4. Uh, you've had yep. all kinds of cars uh, over your life. I had uh, an F80, which is the last generation M3, which I really enjoyed. You have the newest generation right. M4. Uh, you're loving it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's great. It's a G83 uh, convertible, of course. Probably my seventh Alpine white BMW, hard to beat BMW blue or blue BMW white. Savile High to me. So uh, talked to my friends at H&R and put a different spring kit on it. Um, threaded collars, just bring it down a little bit. So it sits right, looks right. The drive is, I think, really important with that much torque. When the torque comes on, it comes on real quick. And your probability of uh, getting into a bad situation is uh, pretty low. But as all modern supercars, sports cars, there's so much tech. And they fortunately built in a bunch of ways to, uh, lots of processes to turn all of it off. So it's not easy to turn all the tech off if you want to you know, pretend you're Ayrton Senna. But it's a beautiful car. Uh, it, it obviously, it's taken a while to get used to the nose um, for some odd reason. Um, <laughs> it's controversial. Right, yeah. Sitting a couple inches off the ground, uh, for some reason, made it a little tighter looking, a little better looking. All my buddies now like it. But, you know, you look at, you know, the RS, Audis, the what F, F type, whatever they call it, Lexus, all big grills. Oh, it's a thing. So, yes. yeah. It's kind of like when Bangle took BMW a different direction 25 years ago and with BMW and uh, anyone like the Bangle era, BMW isn't another pretty iconic. But I think I've had every iteration M3, M4 so far. Uh, wow. Back to the E30 at the uh, 89, I think, E30 M3, which I still had, it, of course, because they're uh, around 100 and I paid 14 for it. So I, I've, I've done well buying them. I've done really poor selling them. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Bottom right. Yeah. That's, still I'm right. That's great. But, uh, that's great. It's, yeah. It's a great car. I specced it out myself and 
Alpine White with um, I think it's called Indian uh, Indian Red. Uh, and Terry, I haven't seen another one, so it it looks great. And I think the only thing needed to happen is need need to come down a little bit so it didn't look like a four by four, although it's four wheel drive. So it uh, <laughs> it's, it we and we'll get into it, but we drove it to Pebble, so we we put two thousand miles on it. Beautiful. Hey, uh, before we before we leave your cars, uh, you know you know money uh and uh so many car guys get uh they kind of delude themselves and think that you know uh, cars are a good investment because they buy it for fifty thousand and then 10 years later it's worth 80. uh right. this, that's not a good investment no i mean it's you look at uh david clean who bought the last gto at pebble three years ago paid, you know, who knows we paid for it 50 60 million you know, for that to do well, stock market long terms, 8% a year, compound that and just do the math on that. Very few things keep up with that. There's, yeah. there's individual situations, but, you know, we're at the car show at, at Pebble, the RNA auction, and, and I saw a mutual friend of ours, Brent's, has a um, old um, Toyota or Range Rover. They have Land Cruiser. Yes. Yeah. I took a picture, sent it to him. It was $115,000. I said, sell it now. I mean, sell it right now. Because um, there's this dumb money going around chasing a lot of things that, you know, to me, just seemed kind of silly. My first cool, second cool car was a 94 RS, 911 RS America, which I bought new. Wow. Um, got, totaled, got totaled. Got hit me uh, from behind, thank God. I had the, Fortunately, they ran you know, all the motors in the back, right? Yeah. So he passed away. It was a bad situation. But um, so I paid fifty three for it, something like that. They're trading for five hundred if you can find one. Another bad trade I made. So I th those things are getting harder and harder to find. Now it's entering the muscle car muscle car arena. Is getting you know the sixty nine Camaros it wasn't that long because you paid forty thousand for them. Now they're a buck and a half. And it's like wow, I think it's a little bit, of, a little bit of a, a lot. Of, I say a lot of speculation in those markets that when you're when you're watching these auctions going down in front of you, it's pretty kind of unbelievable to see what people pay for things that just seem like a regular car. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I've been watching. Uh, I watch prices as much as I can, especially the online ones and. And I do get the feeling that there's lots and lots of froth, as as you know better than I do. There's all kinds of free money that was just pumped out uh, since the beginning of COVID, and that money has to find a place. You've got too much money seeking too many things, and and it distorts the market. But eventually, uh, and again with higher higher interest rates, that money is being sucked out of the system. Uh, yeah. Eventually, it does kind of find its way. I know used cars, which were going for almost the same as as new cars and i'm not talking about collector cars but used right. cars they are absolutely dropping and they're dropping fast uh they're it's going back to what it should be which is they depreciate over time right. so That's i correct. think that i think that that uh, a lot of this as you say silly money is going to start uh trickling away i hope so because these cars uh should be attainable and they're again they're great to have uh, occasionally there's one that's a good investment but these are cars that are meant to be driven and enjoyed, they're not really investment vehicles. No, because I mean, that's when some of the things that Enzo said in his, you know, his, on his last days, is like, you know, 
he begrudgingly sold cars, right? I mean, that's, right. Enzo never wanted to sell a car. It's like, I'm going to go with a motor racing guy from Alfa Romeo, right? So, uh, but to finance things, he had to build what ended up being really cool cars, right? Absolutely. And, uh, and they're sold to you know, counts of, you know, Liechtenstein and crazy places. And that's why they have, you know, 105, you know, 250 Lusos or something that are now just cherished because they are gorgeous and and, and uh, uh, historic vehicles. But it wasn't that long ago that these cars were even thought of as, a, as an investment. So, you know, right. you, go back, you go back to Pebble Beach, you know, the, the racing started in Pebble Beach in Del Monte Forest. Because Laguna Seca hadn't been built yet, and Steve Earle, who was the founder of of all of that, was just paying homage to what he loved, rather than there's no money involved in this. And then it changed, and, and I think we'll get into that because I've gone a lot, um, and it's changed. I think it's it's swum too far, and that might be, maybe part of the narrative here, but uh, swum too far. And but there's there's so much money out there from all over the world. And it just used to be the Americans and, and maybe the the internet the mainland EU. Now there's you know Russians and maybe that's cooled off, but Asian Asian market is a gigantic market. Whether it be yeah. Ferrari or Louis Vuitton, those are the markets that the you know hot culture brands look to expand in because there's a lot of money. So. Yeah, there's nothing like 1.2 billion people to. Uh get to yeah. get any any salesperson excited so hey before we move on to pebble beach uh, i want to touch on a few news uh, uh pieces of news and i want to definitely get your take mike because uh i know you, these are areas that we've discussed uh offline but uh the porsche red bull formula one deal uh appears to be dead uh it never made a lot of sense to me porsche has always been very tentative in formula one uh yeah. obviously they had uh success in the 80s and you know they've been in and out, in and out. They're a they're a sports car racer company. They're not a Formula One company. And then you know I looked at it like I don't think Porsche really needs Red Bull. They need Le Mans, and I don't think Red Bull needed Porsche. So it it seemed a little weird just to start. Right. No, I think I think you're right. You know that I think about you know Dietrich, who's uh, probably seventy five ish years old, something yeah. in that neck of, the, neck of the woods. As far as I know, there's no air. Uh, maybe there is. I don't. I don't know of one. And in, in my world, it's like I talk to my clients. Like we not talk. We talk succession, succession planning here. What do you do with a twenty billion dollar empire when you don't have a you don't have a kid, you don't have a wife, you don't have anything? So where, where does that go? My guess is what Dietrich does with Red and Bull. Of course, you're. He's the founder of the Red Bull drink yeah, uh, right. company, and and right. uh, I think it was in the eighties he did that, maybe in the nineties. But he came up with it himself. He's an Austrian. Yeah. And and boy, did Red Bull take over the world! And then he went into racing. Yeah, and it, it, you know, he worked for Procter and Gamble, you know, selling toothpaste before he did all that. But yeah, to your point, Steve, I think you're right. It's like he doesn't need Porsche. He's he's hiring all the people away from from AMG to to build their own motor because they don't really have a budget. There's there's never as much money as they want to have, uh, other than whatever FIA is saying they can spend spend on things, but. So yeah, it never made it never made much sense to me because you know their original foray into Formula One in in the eighties with with McLaren, McLaren, yeah, was you know is it was a tag motor because it was financed by Monsieur Monsieur Ogier, right. passed away a few years ago. 
So he didn't, didn't, I don't know, I don't think they didn't have the stones to say no, 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 it needs to be called a Porsche motor. Because it was a tag. I mean, what's the tag motor? I have, a, I have a tag watch, but that doesn't mean anything to anybody. So, you know, wealthy Egyptian, great guy, great guy. So, it, it, yeah, they're known as a sports car maker. You know, the foray in any car was a disaster back in probably the 80s as well with T.O. Fabi. Yep. The total disaster. Um, and, and maybe, maybe uh, Christian Horner knew that. Well, he probably knew that. He obviously knew that, but it's like, how committed are they? But I, I really thought that, that was kind of a, a, a state planning strategy for for owner Red Bull, Dietrich. It's just like, well, you know, by 50% now, I pass away. There's, there's a buy-sell agreement kicks into place and it's owned in a good German hand, a strong hand. And it made sense to a certain extent because Porsche's going public, you know, Volkswagen spinning Porsche out in that messy, you know, messy ownership structure, which is messy because the Porsche family, the Piac family owns most of the shares of Volkswagen, but Volkswagen owns Porsche. It's a bizarre, you know, bizarre management structure, but it's very um, incestuous, that whole thing. Yeah. And, and, and once Piac died, who was, you know, the father of the 917 Porsche, you know, he was obviously a maverick. And, but it, you know, when Porsche made the, the run to, to buy Volkswagen, and that went really bad. Uh, and people are going to jail for that. <laughs> It, so was, really it was really bad. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> as it as it turned out, you can't do that stuff. So, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't see the Porsche brand as a brand that that needs to compete with Ferrari because they're not really a supercar maker. Right. Where do they make their money? They make their money. <laughs> Obviously, 911s are, are a profitable vehicle because you know, sunk costs decades ago. But the the Taycans and and the uh, the Macans and the Cayennes. Those are the, yeah, that's, that's, that's the where they make their money. You know, the Cayennes. Yeah, exactly the right. Yeah. So those those are driving kids to soccer camp. You know, those are those are those cars. Yeah. Um, but that, I don't see how that segues into Formula One, other than being Pinnacle, and obviously you know the Netflix things has made Formula One very popular. We've always liked it, of course. But you know, friends of mine that didn't know Formula One now are like, "Wow, Formula One, this is really cool." So, well, it's always been cool, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that in the show. The Netflix uh, thing has really transformed. It is a completely turbocharged interest of Formula One in this country. It's cool right. to see, and it's it's really it, it's gone very quickly from niche to mainstream, uh, yeah. overtaking uh, NASCAR, which I never thought I'd see. So it's ever, it's, it's, ever. I mean, Bill France Jr. must just be like. Yeah, you know, not sleeping at night, wondering what the what the hell just happened. There's a, I just saw this funny a quote from Bill France Jr. years ago. Not doubt, I'd say within ten years. Because obviously his old man started NASCAR. All you heard was the answer. Then you heard the question after the answer was like, "Yeah, we're looking into that. That sounds really interesting." And the question was, uh, "What do you think about fuel injection?" <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one, Mike. That's good. It's a, it's a <laughs> great. It was like, wow, injection. 2014. You're thinking about fuel injection. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, 780 Holly, you know, a carburetor. Bill, Bill Jr., of course, has passed uh, since then, but that's funny. Uh, you know, another thing that I wanted to get your take on, you know, McLaren overall, I mean, the company, and of course, they're a racing company, but they're also uh, a road car company, road car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a done deal that Audi was going to take them over, and they were in dire straits financially. 
presumably their balance sheet has improved since COVID and since they could charge more for their cars and the cars don't depreciate like they, they used to be depreciation machines. Disaster. Disaster. Yeah, disaster. Now uh, it seems like everything financially for them has improved since COVID. So maybe they didn't need Audi as much, but the Audi McLaren deal seems over. It does seem over because it seems like P- Peter Sauber looks like he wants to you know exit at some point and it looks like the Sauber uh, Audi deal is probably a, close to a, to a done deal. But I, I mean, Zach Brown's obviously an American and I saw him at, a, at a, we'll talk about it in a little bit at a, at a jet show in, in uh, Monterey uh, last month. And he was not interested in talking about that subject, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Strange, that's, right? Uh, yeah. That's funny. That's a t- yeah. that's a, the whole thing is, is a non non-disclosure agreement. NDA. Yeah, right. uh, uh, yeah. He can't even like make a hand gesture or something. No. He's obviously he's very successful racing his own 956 at Laguna Seca, but it it seemed to me that they've made almost every bad decision you can make going back to probably when Ron Dennis went away. Yeah, I mean, when I can't remember the gentleman's name, Mike stole he stole the the Ferrari race book. Oh, right, though that guy. Oh my gosh! And for McLaren had to pay a hundred million dollars to, yes. I presume, the FIA. I'm not sure that where that money went. You know, it went to some black hole somewhere. But hundreds, a hundred million is a hundred million, right? Yeah. And McLaren then did have billionaire owners with like Monzeroji. But you look at the most recent thing with you know Daniel Ricardo. I'm guessing they gave him twenty five million a year. Be guess that's what they got. Probably yeah. paid twenty five to get out of the deal, so that's seventy five million dollars for zero production. Basically, was, I mean, Daniel seems like a great guy, guy, but obviously didn't pr- produce the goods. So there's a, a bunch of stuff that they've just done wrong, and, and to me that looks really on Zach Brown's. You know, now it's on Zach Brown. So I, I think that maybe when they did a sale lease back of their place in Walking. Yeah, it sold up for two hundred or you know, a million or something like that, and are leasing right. it back. So that's obviously a lot of cash, and the the Qatar government obviously is not poor. Um, so they have a lot of big investors, you know. And uh, what well, Latifi's dad is ten percent shareholder of, of McLaren uh, through his Sonofin company. Uh, so there's a lot of big money in McLaren. Uh, so I, when they think about McLaren talks about being independent, I'm not sure what independent means when you have four or five stakeholders, you know, independent of each other. I, yeah, my guess, and I and I did hear that. My guess is that what they mean is they don't want to be tied to a manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, although, if you're going to make road cars, and and which they are, then they right. need to have. It seems to me that it would make sense to be tied to a manufacturer just because. Right. Uh, internal combustion engine, no problem. You can make your own. Once you get right. into battery and electric, now all of a sudden uh, we're talking big, big, big dollar uh, yeah. amounts, You know, a lot of capital to do that. And why not piggyback onto something else? It makes sense to me, Mike, uh, yeah. for them to tie up with BMW. Uh, right. Audi, you know, my sense with the, the Porsche news and the Audi news, this may reflect uh, their turmoil uh, with uh, Herbert Deese, their CEO. And, yeah. and now that he is he's finally gone, but there was a lot of turmoil. They took their eye off the ball and maybe uh-huh. Audi and Porsche's uh, uh, inconsistency or lack of focus is is because of that. But it makes sense, Mike, before we move on to Pebble Beach, it makes sense to, for BMW to tie up with McLaren because 
BMW doesn't have a supercar. Right. They could they could use one. It would wouldn't that be a nice connection, just like the connection between Mercedes and and Aston Martin seems to make sense on some level. Yeah, I think it does. I think that you know when, when we're down at Pebble, it's the 50th anniversary of M. And I think I sent you a picture of you know my uh, M4 in the paddock at Laguna Seca next to the CSL. Yeah, and and the head of M in in America parked his car right right next to mine. We had a nice chat about that, and I go and I asked him, "It's like why are we not seeing a a, a new M1? You know, a, a new something cool?" And he, you know, it was off the record, and it's like it's like a little sheepish about the whole thing. I go, "This thing was cool, but it's not that cool." Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's just not that cool. We have talked about the CSL and about it yeah. at a, a not a very impressive Nürburgring yeah. time, and it doesn't yeah. look all that great, and it no. isn't isn't all that great. No, it sits. As I told him, I said, you know, I bought this car because the 911 RS Amer uh, uh, GT3 RS just kept getting delayed, so I bought something I could buy. Um, but you look at it, the GT3 RS, it's a proper car. Now, it's too weird for me. It's too many wings and too much going on. I'm 57 years old. And, you know, if it was, it's if O T T. Yeah. If it was a tech tycoon at 28, uh, 100% I'd buy one. But at my age, like, no, my kids are going to look at me weird. Another midlife crisis. But, but you know, and the M4 does 95% of what that GT3 RS will do. It's got four seats, two golf clubs, you know, two golf bags in the back, and good, good to go to some valley or whatever. So it's uh, it just seemed like a, a, a really a, a mild way for BMW to honor the 50th year of something that was born out of their weird relationship with Lamborghini and how the M1 came about. And I, I don't think he, this gentleman necessarily didn't agree, disagree with that commentary i was saying it's like, he can't say it for the, he can't say it for the record though he no says, exactly oh yeah it's totally lame i agree with you <laughs> right i mean just behind the picture i say it was like a, a M, m4 gt3 car it's like we want something just a little dialed down from that something yeah. really naughty you know not something oh you wicked up the turbo boost you know three psi and we're gonna get 40 more horsepower out of it let's see i can buy a chip and do that in my car in a half an hour and end up with the same, you know, basically uh, performance level. So, well, let's talk about Pebble Beach. But before yeah. we do, let me just say very quickly: if uh, BMW were to connect in some official way with McLaren, they could have their M1, and they yeah. just, you know, a little badge engineering, put a BMW engine in, take out the McLaren engine, uh, use all the carbon fiber knowledge from McLaren, and have an M1. It would be cheap. It would be. Yeah. It would really be cheap, and it would be special. Yeah, it would be special. All right, so Pebble Beach, Mike, and I really wanted to talk to you about Pebble Beach because you have attended a lot of these. And by a yeah. lot, I don't mean three, four, or five. How many have <laughs> you how many have you been to? Our listeners will be amazed. It's 36, <laughs> 36. in a row. <laughs> you go to two a year, right? Right. right. <laughs> 36 <laughs> years. 36 yeah. years in a row. Yeah. Started when I was 18, when I was uh, working at Laguna Seca, the racing school called Jim Russell British School of Motor Racing at Laguna, and so I lived there and um, worked worked every day like like he probably did in, in medical school, and I didn't know anything about it until it came around. And, uh, the, I think the third year I was there, third or four, I don't remember, it's been a while now, right, was the 100th anniversary of Daimler-Benz. Oh. So I think it was... 
87, you can correct me on this, 87, 88, so be 1888, right? And Fangio's 56, I think, Grand Prix car was, was in our garage. We took all of our race cars out and put them somewhere else. So Mercedes took our paddock, took our garage. So Mercedes brought their museum over and put it in our garage. So their very first car, which was a buggy made out of wood, was in our garage. And I've kicked myself many times, like, why was it the cell phone around then? I could have pictures of all of this. So we, my roommate, uh, ended up becoming an IndyCar driver. Jan, his name is Jan Bikas, a Swiss guy. Uh, did a lot of play-by-play -play for, for NBC and IndyCars. We had keys to the to the garage, so we went in at night and sat in every single classic uh, Mercedes-Benz from their museum. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I don't think I'm giving away any location information by telling our listeners that the normal co-host, Stefan Moran, uh, was in the museum today. Oh, really? Uh, the Mercedes Museum today. He said it was the most That's amazing great. museum ever. I was there right. years ago. Uh, I was there in 2013, and it's the most impressive car museum museum I've ever been to. I didn't sit in the cars, so Mike, you got to to, to touch them and sit in them. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting about that era of the mid 50s, late 50s Grand Prix cars is the bell housing is gigantic, and you're 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 splayed. Your legs are splayed, so you have a clutch over here. Your legs are at a a really unusual. <laughs> Um, distance apart. The steering is gigantic and it's like a NASCAR, it's right in your chest, right? Which made sense because obviously there's no power steering or anything like that. You needed you needed a big wheel to just have a gear ratio on the on the on the front axle. But you knew you were I was a kid, I was 18 or 19 years old. You you still knew that you were touching something special. And I was I was started racing go karts when I was twelve or thirteen, so I had kind of heard of Fangio and um, and the, the lure of Fangio, but obviously information was distributed quite differently back in the you know, early early eighties, mid eighties than it is now. But but looking at all these cars, you know, the, the the famous Goldwing car that did two ten around Nardo or wherever wherever they did that car that's at Laguna that was at Laguna Seca again this year. Was that the car, Mike, that, that just sold yeah. the woman or whatever, the the $142 million car no. that sold? Mm -hmm. It must have been related. That was a going, but this this must have been what tell me more about that car. I'm 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 not getting it. Was it was gold. I'm gonna say it's a C one ten. Oh, you mean for this from the seventies, like the seventy seventy. I heard fifty six. I heard fifty six. So yeah, I know which one that one is. That oh, yeah. yeah, the C one eleven, I think, and it's yeah, like, it was a concept car from around nineteen seventy. Yeah. Looked very futuristic at the time, and it was going. Sorry, yeah. I got it. Yeah, we sat inside that, and it was, it was crazy. You know, look back, and it's like wow, it was kind of an early DeLorean mm. <laughs> looking. If you yeah, two side by side, but it's just kind of bizarre to, to just have a key to walk into our garage, which we did every day anyway. And here's really the um, the crown jewels of at least mercedes-benz downward benz you know history just sitting there and no there's no there's no security there's no there would be today of course but back then we just jumped in the cars looked around sat inside there's we didn't have cameras whereas you know which was silly but um 
we didn't have cell phones. Today, we have somebody would be arrested right now because we would have posted them, right? But um, but but cool stuff, special stuff. And that's the thing that that Pebble and uh, you know Car Week brings when you honor your market a certain uh, period of time. That you know the the factory brings over the over the good stuff. So you were there you, the first year. You really experienced it. You saw the most amazing collection that there is. I mean, right. it, it really isn't a better collection that was than was in your paddock. Right. Um, but uh, the whole Pebble Beach, the Car Week, was really quite small. Right. Uh, it, it was it was nothing like what it is now. When you think back over your 36 years, what do you think is like the biggest change, the big ev biggest evolution since then? I think we touched on a little bit of just the proliferation of valuation of, 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 of the amount of money. And, and money just starts attracting different people. And certain shows started showing up and the jet show showed up a little bit. Now there's, there's, a, now there's a purely hypercar event that wasn't there before. I think that also just Pebble Beach became uh, more knowledge knowledgeable to people because of you know, golf and tourism and and Laguna Seca became more knowledgeable to, to people because of you know, super bikes and any car races there and but uh, obviously a lot of money went into went into the whole thing and and how Pebble manages the concourse is just first rate it's absolutely first rate you get your you get your money's worth. I mean, you, it's it's not cheap to get in there, and we'll probably touch on you know some of that because I think this year to us, to Man and I, was is like I think they've gone too far in the pricing side. Uh, just because you can afford it doesn't mean you kind of should afford it, so to speak, because it becomes silly. But also, just now that you know, forty years later, there's more history of cars. There's just forty more years of of cars. I think uh, Laguna Seca goes up to. I think they go up to 92 in Group C cars. So, you know, they still go back to the you know, bygone era of cars of the turn of the 19th century to, to 92. So there's 40 more years worth of cars, but there's still the same amount of time. So more people are interested in different things. TV TV time for auto racing is over the over that 40 years is picked up. So a lot more things are, are, are from a societal level are, are covered and they weren't covered before. Got it. Yeah, it, it it certainly makes sense. And and you know, Laguna Seca, of course, uh, hosts the Monterey Historics, which are absolutely amazing. And that's what you're that's what you're referring to. But one thing you touched on that I really want to I want to pick your brain about because this is this is an event that went from didn't exist to now a really cool thing, and that's the Jet Show. I think it's it changed its name. I think it's owned by Haggerty now. Mm -hmm. But uh, talk about that because that's a relatively new event that has become a thing. It was, you know. Cars here uh, sells planes and invited us to go about four or five years ago, and we and actually hadn't heard of it. It was called the McCall Show, so it was interesting to talk to people up, up here. We live in Boise, but the McCall Show, and they're like McCall, Idaho? No, it's not McCall. It's, <laughs> it's David McCall. But um, so it was a guy that you know built a, a bunch of industrial parks, did well, and uh, like planes, and. Uh, Put uh, rented out the, the private jet center of, of Monterey Airport, and it just grew into really a, a like a black tie, really, really elegant, sexy event. Uh, champagne, 
done well, uh, local uh, food being served, and and just the who's who of the car world. And Jack uh, and Jody Schechter's rock, walking around, and Jackie Stewart's walking around. I sent you a picture of Louis Roof and talking to my lady. Um, talked to John you know, John Hennessy, and, and, and who's just wearing jeans because that's John Hennessy, but. Um, you know, his, was his Velociraptor or whatever he had there. But it was really a cool show of really, really high-end cars. And I wouldn't say production cars. I would say this, the when Christian Koenigsegg was there. Uh, Horatio Pagani was there. So I'm not sure what cluster we put that into, but really uh, uh, the other side of the elite indie car manufacturers uh, and then you know, Gulfstream was had all their jets there. Falcon had all their jets there, and they you know serve you a nice glass of Louis Vuitton or Vuv, uh, and you know, go check out their G six you know G six fifty if you're you know if you're, if you're interested. And <laughs> so it, this was a, a place to look at cool stuff. And that's the first place we saw our first first Rolls Royce Colon, uh, a Pullen and the Cullinan, yeah, the Cullinan, right? The yeah, the Cullinan, the SUV, Cullinan. yeah. Yeah, SUV. Yeah, Bugatti's there this year. Mark, Mark Remax there, and and it was really cool. And then, and we look forward to it. It's probably the favorite thing that we like, we like doing as far as a single event. And and, uh, and then it sold. It's it seems amazingly cool, and uh, I'm actually surprised that that someone didn't think of this earlier because there is absolutely a connection between those types of cars, you know, very high-end collector cars and Pagani's and, you know, Zenvo's and and all these different really high-end uh, Remox, that kind of thing, and very expensive watches and yeah. private and private jets. They're all in the same family and these are the right. same customers. So it absolutely makes sense that they would come together. Right. And boy, it sounds like they really did it right. They did and then it changed. And, you know, we, had, we heard... Let's see this middle of August. We heard like in, in late June that Miss McCall s- sold it to Haggerty, as you as you as you said, and we, we were thinking it's like, well, I'm not sure when the deal was done. I know it was announced, but this is a traditional thing in M and A, and like in my world, M and A, when a, a company buys another company, you presumably like what they're doing. Otherwise, why would you buy the company? Why bother? Yeah. My bother. So just don't go screw it up. Don't don't mess with the toy first. They just can't do it. This it's just it just doesn't happen that way. That we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have economies of scale. We're gonna we're gonna reach all we're gonna cut costs, but we're gonna bring a better product. And they really, in my opinion, they really screwed it up. And it was immediately very clear to me at the tail end when we locked out, it was absolutely clear to me. Like I, I brought you all the pamphlets. I bought you another set, of the deck of all the pamphlets that they gave me last year. I gave you a set last year. There was zero. There was no. There was no swag. Zero. Oh. I literally asked them walking out the door. I said, "Hey, where's my stuff? Right? Where's my where's my hat? Where's my brochure?" It's like I don't have that. It's like wow. So you charged me another hundred, another hundred dollars, and you deliver a much worse product. So it went for the jet show. The only jet was there was my friend's jet, which is a cool jet. Um, it's a Platus jet. 
But Bombardier didn't come. Falcon didn't come. Nobody came. No jet cruiser came. Wow. To me, the only thing they could do that would be worse than that is have more people. You really do want to keep it exclusive. I hope they didn't have a lot more people. No, it felt like it felt like the same number, but all the majority of the cars, Steve, were had a placard coming from it. Were, were from an auction house. Oh no, kidding! So it was like, and I didn't. Re- it wasn't Meekum or anything like that. I didn't recognize the auction house, so it felt like a to both of us like an advertisement to go to their auction, wherever that was going to be, rather than a, a pure play on what made this event great. Food was great. All the local Monterey wine was great. Pretty fine. I can get that anywhere, though, right? Absolutely. Right. So that, I mean, Louis Roof was there and had a nice chat with Louis Roof, but he stood out like Goliath in the crowd of cool cars. Because, I mean, I like looking at 512 uh, Berlin Boxer or something like that, but that's not the show for that. You know, it's, it's, it's really was, had been built, in my opinion, and have observed it to being really really state-of-the-art, very chic, very cool stuff that you're just not going to see. You know, the, the FINA, the Ma winning uh, McLaren F1 was there. And in one year, I think Wood Brothers did a full carbon um, 67 Challenger in this, like, maroon red. Like, you can see through the carbon, the whole thing is carbon fiber. NASCAR motor fires it up. Everyone loses their mind. It's really cool. Then whomever steps in the McLaren Le Mans F1 car fires it up. Different level. Just different. Full respect on both. But it was just cool. It was just like a gearhead, you know, he, you know heaven is what you wanted to see. And none of that happened. Nothing. Yeah, you know, to have the, the, the high-end cars uh, combined with the the, the 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 jet manufacturers and the reps and have the jets there and then a really good audience uh that's a great thing otherwise if you don't have that if you don't have something that differentiates you well then you're just another concorso italiano or legends of the autobahn yeah. well it's not you lose the specialness and it's a lot harder to get specialness than it is to lose it i think you're right i, I mean I talk to my friends that we go with every year there that, that sell the planes, sell the jets, and they're like, "Are you going back next year?" I go, it's, it has to change. I mean, I, I, we so we passed on our opinion that it needs to change, and and that's not necessarily back to what it was, but this this wasn't good. This wasn't, you know, for a vendor to go there, you're paying twenty grand just to have a spot, and you're flying three of your own planes down. Well, that costs money, right? And so you're out fifty grand just to be there. Yeah, you need a return on that investment. Yeah, right. And, and uh, well, we'll uh, we'll definitely, I definitely want to hear uh, if you go next year. I want to hear about if they fix it. Haggerty seems to be an enthusiast company that's run by an enthusiast, and Mikhail Haggerty, by right. all accounts, is a good guy. So yeah. uh, you know, you don't get to where he is by being stupid. So hopefully, right. hopefully, he's going to listen to the feedback. I'm sure you're not the only person, and right. he'll he'll say let's let's fix this, but. Um, right. Uh, one thing that that I have to ask you about, I'm I'm like so excited. Uh, you are Mike, uh, mm-hmm. the only person I know who sat at a dinner table with Gordon Murray. <laughs> yes, Gordon Murray. You know, it's uh, you know, was that at the Jet Show or was that somewhere else? That was in Carmel. Carmel, got it. Okay. Yeah, so we stay in Carmel. If anyone listening hasn't been to Car Week, wants to go to Car Week, you have to stay in Carmel. That's the epicenter of everything. Great food, great wine, great people. 
awesome cars from the spectrum of cars from a new Pagani to a uh, a, a really uh, beautiful 65 Shelby. But um, our favorite restaurant is Grazing's. Kirk Grazing owns it, 6th in San Carlos. Uh, great restaurant. And uh, so we're sitting at, at our normal seats, and it comes this tall dude, you know, wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt. You know, look at him. He's just five feet away, walking in, looking for with with another guy who I didn't recognize, looking for a seat. And no one knows who this guy is, which seems kind of bizarre. Uh, look at my girlfriend, Amanda, go, that's Gordon Murray. She said, who's Gordon Murray? Well, Gordon Murray is like right there at the top of the you know top of the curve of intellect of, of car engineering, and um, sat just kind of catty according to me, and I got up and said hello. Uh, I said hello, Mr. Murray, and it's South African accent. Hey, how are you? What's your name? Chat a little bit, and then the buzz kind of started a little bit because it was Car Week. But, you know, people are down there for different reasons, you know. Unless you follow Formula One, you probably don't know who Gordon Murray was, right? Correct. And if you're not into in, into supercar, hypercars, you know, the GMA business, his company, you didn't really have to be paying attention to what's going on right there. Didn't know it, but it's like you saw some brains click over. That's Gordon, like Gordon Murray, like the McLaren Gordon Murray. And just the nicest guy. Buy one drink. They went old fashioned, nice guy. Then a little bit of the crowd came around, and I kind of moved out of that situation. But but a super cool guy. He had, he had both his cars at Laguna Seca. Heard them both, saw them both with uh, Dario. Put them both cars around the track. Now, when you or, say just just for our listeners, he started a new company called uh, yeah. GMA Gordon Mo, uh, Gordon Murray Automotive, and he's right. he's introduced two hypercars. Because they're both, I think one's five million and one's two and a half million or something like that. Right. And uh, manual transmission, supercars. One has a, a, a suction fan like his old Brabham. Right. Uh, and uh, these cars are sold out. Yeah, yeah, and and they're they're really small. And you can really, if you've seen the McLaren F1, if you happen to see one in person, and look at the new T50. Uh, the, the lineage is obvious. It's very obvious from the seating position to just overall design and just how everything is is put together. The, the back end is obviously quite different with the fan, which is, creates a low pressure area below the car and unique. And you can hear the thing wind up and it's crazy sounding. And the Kazi built V12 in the back is, is obviously beautiful, beautifully sounding. Yeah, I think that you know, there's you know what they what he talked about in one of his uh, speeches was like you know we're we're planning on being a you know, full manufacturer of, of cars and 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 we're not going to say no to electrification, hybridization. You know, my my question always is on situations like that because I, I don't know his bank balance sheet, but like where's the money coming from? <laughs> there's a lot of money involved in doing things like that. It takes me back to you know when. Uh, Mr. Ontario bought the Bugatti name and did the EB EB110. Yeah. And everyone's like, where's the money to build these cars? Well, 17 or whatever they did. But as Volkswagen found out pretty quickly, it takes a lot of money to build cool stuff. And it took Volkswagen to be able to lose a lot of money building the Veyron, right? Yeah, they charged $2 million a piece and they probably lost $2 million on each one. At least, probably, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
So Gordon Mary, you know, I don't I don't know how because they haven't sold a car yet. So I'm not sure where the money is coming from. And I asked somebody online about that and they said, well, it's you know, pre-orders. Like, okay, pre-orders fine. But you know, I, I if I if you or I called, you know, Cosworth tomorrow and say, hey, can you build me a bit bespoke 3.9 liter V12 that revs to 12,000 RPM? What's the number? What's that gonna cost me? And I, I don't know what the number is, but it's not it's not a million, it's not 10 million, it's probably a lot. Yeah, but I, th- I think they're kind of battling. A, you know, I think they're battling a, a situation that is, is kind of running away from them uh, as far as manual and full ice motors, and uh, maybe that gets their brand out. I don't, I don't know. But car was pretty cool. I think the McLaren F1 looks better. I always revert to my girlfriend. If she like if, if she thinks it's cool. It's probably pretty cool. Probably cool. It, it wasn't very cool, in all truth, just in in, in how it looked. It was sitting next to Pagani, uh, Pagani, uh, Wire R, and it was, it was a no competition, you know. That like, looks totally cool. It was just, and the both V12s, in the Merc V12, and when that thing fired up, you knew it was something special. Yeah. I mean, it was pure naughty, pure naughty sounding. And the, the, the Murray, not to say it sounded bad, it just sounded a little underwhelming, I would say. Yeah, it doesn't have the nastiness. Uh, the Pagani's, of course, have AMG uh, V12s that they work on and change. But uh, mm-hmm. this bespoke Cosworth engine, you'd think it would be, it would sound like the like the coolest thing in the world, maybe like a Formula One engine. But uh, it's interesting. Yeah, because, yeah, because the 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 um, Valkyrie motor sounds great. I've heard the Valkyrie go around Laguna Seca, and that thing sounds pr- absolutely proper. The Aston Martin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, awesome Valkyrie, um, the, the the Pro, the Pro R, whatever the, the twenty one of the twenty five racing versions they have. There's one of them apparently in the bay that ha- somebody has one, but um, and it's, it sounds like a proper you know V ten V twelve Formula Formula One car of, well, of the day. Yeah, it's cool. Well, anyway, sitting you know or being in in a restaurant uh, and talking with Gordon Murray has got to be uh, one of the most uh, uh, memorable uh, car events of your life. I would have put it up as number one, uh, knowing you, but that's because I didn't know about the Mercedes experience back in 1988, <laughs> <laughs> where you saw the car, you sat in the cars from the museum. So, all right, that that's probably number one. But, um, you know, one thing that that I that I do think, and and every generation changes, and their tastes change, and what they think is cool changes, and it changes, and it's a significant change. It's always like that. And it's always been like that for for cars. You know, I'm I'm older than you. And I remember that, uh, you know, if you had a Cadillac Fleetwood sedan in the early 1960s, that was very cool. And people were yeah. like, all right, he's the man. Uh, Mercedes really hadn't hadn't uh, broken through yet. And then after Mercedes BMW, the 80s, uh, we went into the 90s. It became Lexus, became the cool one. And then in the 2000s, uh, Audi really emerged. And now it's Porsche. These right. things always change. And it seemed to me, you 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 said something earlier, Mike, that I want to go back to. You said that if you were a tech guy, so let's say a 29-year-old guy who created a an app and that the app sold to Microsoft for $250 million, and now you've got money, you want to buy something. It seems to me like it's very likely that guy would not be interested in a Pagani, would not be interested in McLaren. He would be most interested in a Remock. Yeah. Um, that seems like seems like Remock is all of a sudden emerging 
as really a big deal. And it, of course, you saw a couple of them, which I yeah. thought was a cool story. But what's your sense about about Remock and younger uh, rich car guys? This is a great question, great point. You know, because it's something that you, we've we've commented on just as the years gone on, especially in Carmel, where when when the day is over during Car Week, all the cool cars come into Carmel, and that's kind of why you want to stay in Carmel if you go to Car Week. And you're going to see everything you've ever wanted to see from a 250 GTO to to a Remark. I mean, that's that's the spectrum. The the young money. I think Enzo Ferrari probably turnover is great. Mm. The young money seems to like Lamborghinis and modified Lamborghinis. Yeah, you know, louder Aventadors, louder Huracans, crazy Urises. Uh, you don't see a lot of mo modification Ferraris. So you, you, a lot of Audi R8s, uh, definitely a lot of Maccas or McLarens. Seems like the young money still feels that's where the where they want to go uh obviously you can't really buy a Romacchia soon i suppose but they're probably sold out but so i think i don't know why it's gone that direction but you see you tend to see more people maybe our age and lower you know buying the you know the the 812 gts or ferraris it still seems to be for lack of better expression the dignified brand if you're yeah. successful yeah. Um, so, GT3 RSs running around Car Week are like a Toyota Camry. It's, it, if you don't have one, you're you're really an idiot because <laughs> everyone has one kind of thing, and it's a two hundred thousand dollar car, right? It's, it's a chump change for a car. Remak is is around three million, and a right. lot of these cars are way up there. And you're right. In comparison, the GT3 Touring, or which is a cool one from two months right. ago, and now the GT3 RS, relatively cheap. Yeah, right, exactly. And there's just so much wealth from the Amazons, the Googles, the private businesses that is, you know, it's just a rounding year for people. And it really becomes that's part of the reason why that used car market is so strong because, you know, you walk into Ferrari today or Porsche today, say, hey, I saw that GT3RS, give me one of those. Like, you're, you're cute because we're sold out like forever. It's like, what? Can you get a used one? Yes, yeah, $50,000 more than a new one. It's like, this is this is a different dimension of thought. You know, when I sold my, bought and sold my first Ferrari 22 years ago, it was a 360 Modena, bought an 03, I think, $152,000, a lot of money, sold for 165. I did the math, like after tax and gasoline, you know, I made $5 or something. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it was a great deal, right? Yeah. Stock market crashed during that time, so I think it made you know, net net made money, right? Yeah, that new money is is always chasing new things, and and the the, the remocks are those things, but they're made in such small quantity, and like everyone else, so you hear about something coming out, and it's like, oh, it's already sold, the, the lot sold out. It's like, all right, or the, like the Devo, you know, there's probably a probably Bugatti could sell a hundred Devos, and made ten or something or whatever they were, or the the Blides, which are crazy looking. Uh, yeah, it's basically a Devo convertible with a different a different front end. Yeah, right. And so there's a, apparently a whole bunch of money that have, wants to spend $5 million on a car. Seems like there is. Yeah. Well, it's it's it, the whole thing is interesting. I know you ran across, was it two or three Remox kind of in a formation? You, you drove yeah. with them? Yeah. Yeah. We were coming out of Laguna Seca, um, going back to Carmel. 
so we went down to Highway 68 and took a left and then back over to Carmel Valley on, on what's called Laurel's Grade. Other than the road, the Big Sur, probably the best car road is Laurel's Grade, if you've ever in Monterey. It connects Salinas Highway to Carmel Valley. And right at the bottom of that hill in Carmel Valley, there's a lodge there called Bernardus Lodge. And old man Bernardus was the original importer of Volkswagen in America. Mm. And portion of America. It's really a cool history. But anyway, we came out, gonna go over uh, Laurel's grade, which is usually packed. Saw no cars in front of us. We're in the M4, like we're gonna have some fun, tops down. And there's a little like a parking ride just off to the left, and saw two cars in there. And I was like, holy, holy hell, those are Rimax. And a white one pulls out in front of us. And I, you know stupidly looked at my girlfriend and said this is gonna be fun and she said what's that well that's the fastest car in the world <laughs> by a margin right yeah so whoever's i don't know who's driving it could have been mark or whomever it looked like a ride and drive situation going on yeah nailed the throttle and it was like a missile took off from our car which isn't our car's not slow no it's not <laughs> it, 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 right and i got on it and it's like it was obviously embarrassing there's no competition but it was an optical illusion of how fast that thing took off silently, of course, right? And uh, probably scared the hell out of whoever was driving it because we caught up in, in the twisties, we were all on his bumper. But straight away, it was just, it was comically fast. We followed all the way into Carmel Valley and they turned around and went back the other way. So I, I think they were showing probably customers or something in the car. But it was. I don't personally think they're that awesome looking in person. I don't think they're great looking. I think they're all right. I've seen one and uh, I, it was interesting. It was different, but uh, it didn't look, it was, you, you wouldn't call it beautiful. No, I don't think so. I mean, you look at the Pagani Wire or Zonda or something. That's a unique, really, Hirachi did a great job in design. And it feels like that design at Rimac wasn't quite done yet. Maybe they wanted to get it out, but as far as obviously, I don't think about your engineering electric car, but um, there's a lot of people, a lot of businesses that think Mark Rimac is, is you know, is Einstein. So, an impressive vehicle. Yeah, cool. Well, that's cool that you saw that, and I thought it was a great story. You I know. had a video of this, Steve. I, I, I forgot to send the video. Amanda took a video of this, of this event, so I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it to you. So, we have video of the Rimac in front of us. So. Thank you. Yes, yeah. send that, and I will put it on our Perfect. our website. It's uh, carsoncallpodcast.com for listeners. So we'll get uh, we'll get Mike's video or Amanda's video up. Uh, should be great. So, all right. Well, listen, we're almost out of time. We are out of time. So I do want to wrap it up, but uh, yeah. this has been uh, a delight. And uh, you know, uh, when we've talked uh, previously, Mike, about your experience. I knew you'd been going for a long time, but 36 years is unbelievable. Yeah, that's commitment, right? You know, it's just, uh, it's now it's just an annual road trip. My kids think I'm crazy, and now, now my kids come, uh, and now they know why their dad was crazy. You know, two, two daughters, and one finished grad school yesterday, yesterday in fact, in Scotland. Others, uh, a, a um, an engineer in ASU, and I asked them both because they grew up with a car dad. Like what? What do, you, what do you guys? What's your what's your first car? Cool car? Because I bought the Volkswagens when their first car, the last forever kind of car. And my youngest daughter, the the electrical engineer, is like, well, I want to get a four eighty eight GTB. <laughs> it's like, all right, you you were paying attention, so <laughs> that's so, pretty good. 
the, the uh, girls won Ferraris, so that's like okay. That's gonna motiv- motivate you to to do well. Yeah, that's funny. I have three boys, uh, 24, 28, and thirty, and none of them know what a four eight eight GTB is, <laughs> which is horrifying, horrifying, right. and embarrassing to me. But anyway, uh, that's life. Uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad your daughter said that. I just right. made. I just made my day. Um, <laughs> that's beautiful. So. All right. Well, that's it. And uh, for listeners, we always say, Stefan always says like and subscribe. Of course, do that. But um, uh, this was a treat. And um, Mike, your knowledge and especially really good, uh, unique, I would say, insight into Pebble Beach, especially since you grew up there, um, was was very, very, it was great. So it was a delight. And uh, for everyone, uh, listeners, thanks. See, uh, listen next week. Goodbye. Thanks, Andrew.